Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. We've got a real cool guest on our Zoom. We're doing a lot of Zoom lately. Yeah. Experimenting with the camera angles. She doesn't realize. She's like, you're going to do this on camera? What's going on? (laughs) And I dislike it as much as the guests do, so it's okay. (laughs) What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, I guess, you know, nowadays that we're not seeing people in person, the least we can do is let people see our faces audio was fine before but now nobody like sees people face to face anymore so here we are showing our faces and it's awkward and uncomfortable but (laughs) i'm here for it Uh, you know what i agree with you i hate i hate anything camera related like i used to play a lot of music and we used to do a bunch of video shoots and stuff like that and we looked at your back all the time (laughs) well because i fucking hate it like i've i don't like that just a camera sitting there in my face and then and they're like okay music's on do stuff i'm like what do you mean do so this is fucking awkward as shit like give me some drinks put me on a stage and i'll do stuff in a studio with all these lights and and silence and everything else and this dude with a camera in my face oh, no, i can't do it so i don't know how you're doing it right now actually. i'm trying very hard not to look okay, okay, at okay. the camera beside me <laughs> <laughs> well hey everyone it's amanda and we've got jen on zoom today um we excited. we did try to set up something like distance in person but it, it didn't pan out but i'm just happy that she's here talking to us on zoom absolutely and uh, Jen is a registered massage therapist, and we've met one time, I think, in person officially um, when you came to one of our networking events here at Conad mm-hmm. Institute. And uh, she's here today to talk a little bit about the uh, the board of directors and the yeah our association, talking about the RMTAO and what people's roles are. Because as a former board member, she felt um, a little bad when people would ask her questions that <laughs> was. Is really not her job to answer. So maybe just to bring some clarity as to what the RMTAO does, who does what, and uh, where to direct your questions and concerns to. So Jen, thank you for hanging out with us over Zoom today. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. Why don't we start with an introduction for those people who do not know you, a little bit about yourself, how long you've been practicing, what type of practice you have, and how you desi- decided to get involved with the association in the first place. Um, I've been a massage therapist since since 2008. Uh, My main clinical focus is catastrophic injuries with a split, um, I guess two focuses. So the catastrophic injuries and then oncology. So two very different. So it makes my days really interesting. Um, The reason I joined the RMTAO, uh, I joined as a student in 2005 and immediately started volunteering because it just made sense. Um, I recognized early on that here was a group that would do a lot of work for me and a lot of work I could not do. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and this may sound bad, but I don't care to know my provincial representative, like who's sitting in the government office for me. They seem so untouchable and so far removed from what I do day to day. And I knew that the association reaches out to talk to those people for me. So knowing that I don't have the skill set to do it, Mm -hmm. I will gladly pay somebody else to do it for me. And so that's essentially why I joined the reason I joined the board, uh, we can blame Dan Carroll for that. We can do that. He's a RMD <laughs> and Barry. And before I joined the board, I felt a little disconnected from my peers and my local RMT community. 
So before this whole CBN um, community-based network thing was even a thing, I started looking around for who's interested? Who do I want to talk to? Who do I want to connect with? Mm-hmm. And poor Dan was on the board of directors and at an AGM, his name was announced and he's like, I'm Dan from Barry. And I pretty much accosted him <laughs> through the AGM. I was like, oh my God, you're from Barry. Let's talk. This is cool. Someone else who seems, you know, interested in you know, the profession and advancing the profession. And that was my first glimpse as to, um, you know, what is the board of directors? Because I didn't have a clue. Um, I was busy building my practice. And in my getting to know Dan initially, he couldn't tell me what the board was doing because it's confidential. Um, So I thought, well, fine. If I want to find out what's going on, I'm going to join and see what's what. And I have an opinion about stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, here we are six years later, and I've just left my position and going through a little bit of withdrawal symptoms. (laughs) You very much sound like a person that doesn't take no for an answer. And I like that. I really like that. I I, want to get something done. I'm going to get it done. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very much um, team player. I take my ego out of it when necessary. And I recognize, um, you know, what I'm doing is for the greater good. But at the same time, if you're going to tell me no, then you'd have a better have a really good reason. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I kind of stick with my guns. You cannot peer pressure me into, for example, a- asking me continued questions about what you know, confidentiality stuff, you cannot bully me into Mm. telling you what you want to know. I stick with my guns going, I'm sorry, this is confidential. You're not going to find it out for me. So in that respect, and people don't like to hear that, but I will not break confidentiality. Nor should you, but you're right. People don't like to be told no. So no, as much as, as much as you don't take no, people don't like to be told no from you. Um, I have so many questions, but I think I wanted to start back in 2005. You're a student. You decide to join the RMTAO as a student. And we've had this discussion before where I think that that is really important. And I think that's where the RMTAO needs to be getting their people from is starting from students. And um, I'll say it's unfortunate that where when I went to massage school, I didn't feel like the RMTAO was really discussed enough. I didn't feel like as a student, I had any idea what they did or why they were important or why I should give a shit, to be honest with you. So I didn't join as a student. I, you know, we had the poster hanging in our classroom that said, like, join the RMTA. I was like, yeah, cool. But did you know when you were in school? (laughs) Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask. did you go find that out yourself? No, we had a a person come in, an alumni come in and speak about the association. And it was like right in term one. And it was, why would you not? Mm -hmm. What what was said that hit you is like, why would would you not? What did that person say that made that light bulb go off for you? Um, I think it was the speaking to government, speaking to the people who make the policy decisions that would impact my practice. And it was, do you have the time to go and speak to the policymakers at WSIB or the... um, Oh God, the insurance, the auto insurance people. Right. Um, I don't have time. I don't know who to speak to. I don't know how to open the doors 
to speak to that person. So I work on my business. I work on my clinical expertise and let the association do all of that behind the scenes stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what made it for me was like buy into that. It's almost like a business decision. You're going to buy into marketing and perhaps have someone pay to do marketing for you have someone do the advocacy for you. Yeah, absolutely. So all the way from being a student, you are you were a member, and then you said you started volunteering right away. Um, what were you doing as a volunteer, or can you even talk about that? What are you doing when you're volunteering? That I could speak to. It was helping out at conferences. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when you were doing this volunteer work, were you already like being an advocate and trying to get people to join the association because you got to see a little bit about what they were doing and you know you obviously wanted to be more involved so were you recruiting people as well no i was an itty bitty little minnow in this ocean of rmts and health professions mm-hmm. and i've got what a term or two of school under my belt <laughs> i know nothing nothing i can't compete with these people um because they are just so smart and educated and what the fuck do I know? <laughs> so that's, I did not do any advocacy. I didn't talk to my classmates, but I also, and my memory may be a bit sketchy because this was a long time ago. I have a feeling that a lot of my classmates were already um, members. And I have a feeling like the RMT faculty was already members. It was kind of like a normal thing mm. to be a member. So it wasn't like I was the only one. So I don't feel like I needed to do advocacy. Mm -hmm. So between those two, no, I did not do any advocacy whatsoever. I just want to know if if those those statements about what you thought of of the RMTAO still stand now compared to when you were a student. How you're like, oh, I'm surrounded by these people and they're so educated and I'm such a small fish right now. Do you still like when you look back at it, is is that statement Mm. still true for you? Um, not as much. There are always people more educated than myself. And there are always people who know more than I do. Mm. So that's kind of how I approach everything. But with the stuff I do know, great, let me educate you. Let's connect. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation, but make room for other people to speak. Mm, So I am not a big fish whatsoever, but I'm also not a minnow. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> Where did you go to school, Jen? Did you tell us? Uh, no, I sorry. I went to CCMH uh, in, when it was in North York. Oh, okay. See, I think that makes a lot of sense. Like these big massage schools having the association come in. Like I went to a smaller private school. So I think maybe that's why we didn't, it wasn't pushed as much. Anyway, um, let's go back to blaming Dan. <laughs> 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 sorry, Dan. So when you You're when you sorry. accosted in your in your own words, when you accosted him <laughs> and decided like I need to connect with this guy. So did he did he have to convince you to get on the board? Like how how is this Dan's fault? Jen, how oh. is it his fault? <laughs> <laughs> it's Dan's fault because he didn't just be like, whoa, crazy lady, I'm out. Um and we just became really good friends. And it was you know, I think it was just through um, his actions, who he is as a person, who he was as a director, that really was, you know, advocacy for the profession, advocacy for the association, um, being involved in the community. So it was those sorts of things that I was like, you know what, 
this is really cool. So I think being a director allows me to give back a little bit, but at the same time as I take information um, and really find out what is going on, because let's face it, it's hard to know what's going on. So a lot of people feel uh, maybe out in the cold, if you will. And I can understand that because Dan told me a lot. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. I'm sorry, I can't tell you. And finally, I was like, well, Jesus, I if you can't tell me, then my only recourse is to join the board and find out for myself. So that's how Dan got me to join without asking me. By doing what he was supposed to do, not breaking confidentiality. So good on you, Dan. (laughs) Good Dan. Good Dan. Mark asked this question to everyone, and I was sort of surprised that he hasn't asked you yet. But people (laughs) who are... Um, who are like you, Jen. Yeah, Yeah, people who are like you, who right from the get-go get involved and speak about elevating the profession and, you know, making sure that we're moving forward as as a group. Um, He always asks these people, why Why do do you you care? care? Why? Some days I'm not sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think, oh man. What happens on those days that you're not sure? Like, why do you go from being sure and then one day you're like, mm, you know what? I don't know why I care. Like, what's happening on that day where you're like, fuck it. I don't, really don't know if I care. I think it's for the days that I really am down. It's the poor mental health days where you see so much negativity online in the community. Yeah. And so much misinformation out there and people jumping to assumptions and speculation, and then they run with the speculation as though it were actual fact. And it just, it brings you down. And it didn't used to, and it's only in the last bit um, that it's really started getting to me. Whereas before I'd be like, you do you, Mm -hmm. I know you're wrong. Mm. Um, I encourage you to get educated, and I would engage more regularly, be like, you know, maybe critically think about this or don't jump to assumptions and conclusions. Right. And on the days I don't care, I just want to throw my hands up and be like, you know what? You are, don't want to listen. You don't seem to care what the truth is. You just want to automatically be negative. Right. And I realized that I cannot change that perspective for some members of the profession. But why do I care so yeah, much enough care? that I dedicate so much time and attention. Um, I think I just really love the massage therapy profession. And it's a way to give back that, that I felt that I could contribute in this way. When you think of other ways to contribute to the profession, it's, you know, you could build a brand much like you guys have and engage with other members and have this podcast I can't do that. That is well beyond what I could do. You could um, turn into a, an educator. Mm, no, <laughs> I just can't do that. <laughs> it's not me. Um, go into research. <laughs> <laughs> so it just, it kind of seemed to fit as to this is my way of giving back and just trying to 
do my best to make this profession that I love so much to be better. You know, I feel like a light bulb just went off for me when Jen was speaking. Yeah, I get it now. Never got it before. Yeah, we ask everybody that question, but it just made so much sense because to be honest with you, I don't think either one of us have a lot of desire or passion to get involved zero. with policy making me, and decisions zero. and zero. yeah like <laughs> not even a lot not even like a little bit like, well yeah because we none. had we had ian cam here and he asked us like why don't either of you two ever run for the board or you know why don't you guys get more involved and we were both like your face when you said research that's really eh. like i know <laughs> yeah exactly and it's not for everybody it's no, not. and it's I mean, something I don't think I would have no. much of a desire to do. Because you don't play nice in the in the yard, young lady. <laughs> Me. <laughs> Me. Well, okay, fuck, fine. I know why I couldn't do something, because I don't play nice in the yard, and I, yeah. I, I don't like people, so, so fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Being around people voluntarily? No way. <laughs> and, I mean, this is great for you guys, because this um, method of advocacy that you guys are doing um is really out there and it's engaging whereas board work it's invisible mm-hmm. it You're is right. behind the scenes it is you don't see it so i don't mind being behind the scenes and i let you guys you guys are the cool kids that can be out there i, I don't think i've ever been called a cool kid before so yeah. thank you <laughs> You know what? Mark alluded to that as well. I was like, no, 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 no. No selling yourself short. You're the cool kids table and just accept that. (laughs) All right. I'll take it. (laughs) Because she's going to yell at me otherwise. I will yell at you with love and compassion, though. There was something, there was something I was going to say to that, and I got all wrapped up with the cool kids. Man, my ego's got to get out of here. There was something, oh my goodness, it's going to drive me crazy now. What were, we just, what were we just talking about? What did Jen just say? Why we would never want to do this type of work. Yeah, you guys are you're much more of the face of the profession and having these conversations with, you know, some of the movers and shakers in our I rem- profession. I remember now when you said, Jen, that you don't mind being behind the scenes. To be honest with you, I don't mind being behind the scenes. Like it. Mark will tell you, it used to frustrate me a little bit when we first started Con Ed because I'm, you know, I'm at home taking care of the babies, but I'm equally working. I'm just not the one teaching the classes, right? He's here in class and I'm I'm behind the scenes. And he used to get a lot of praise for like, wow, and you do this all by yourself. And I said to him one day, like, fuck, man, you're not doing this all by yourself. (laughs) But I came to a point where I was like, why do I care? Like, I, so I'm, I, I don't care. I, you know I'm what, though, totally the, happy to be behind the other, the, scenes. the other flip side of is that, of that is when, when shit hits the fan, and it's all coming at it's, you. It's all yeah. comes on, it all ends up in my fucking lap. <laughs> I'm right? the invisible person. It's yeah, perfect. So. But let me ask you then you don't mind being behind the scenes. And I, I understand that part. I don't mind doing work and not necessarily people recognizing how much is happening behind the scenes. But did it ever frustrate you because of this, it must. this confidentiality thing? Did it ever frustrate you that you couldn't really get into it with people? Like, you have no idea what's happening like, did that ever drive you a little bit crazy? Um, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> is, there, um, is there a lack of transparency? We're going to have to call this the unprofessional hour because, well, I'm not a board director anymore, so I can use some bad language. Nice. Um, <laughs> because it really emphasizes, like, yes, I want to be able to go to the rooftops and shout the details of what's going on and what's coming down the pipeline and the things that we're discussing. and. God, yeah, I would love to be able to, um, but 
I'm not willing to risk damaging the reputation or sorry, the relationship that the RMTAO is building with the insurance companies, Mm -hmm. with government, um, with the CMTO. So it's not worth the risk. Not to mention the fact that I, as a director, have no authority to speak publicly on these things because I'm not the one making the decision and I'm actually not the one doing the work on this. I'm just providing oversight and monitoring. Mm. Other than that, I'm hands off. So who the hell am I to be going out there and making these announcements? Right. Absolutely not my job. I cannot do that. So for those people that are listening and hearing this, like in your opinion, I guess, do you think there is a little bit of a lack of transparency in the RMTAO or were the things that were, you know, strictly confidential that way because they have to be strictly confidential? They have to be confidential. Okay. Um, now, could communication be improved? Oh, hell yeah. You can say that with every single yeah. organization. Yeah. yeah. Communication can always improve. Um, updates, absolutely. It's an operational matter, so it's up to the operational team what to decide. And if they decide, eh, you know what, this might be um, damaging our credibility with government as we're building relationships with them, then it's their choice to not do that. So would I like to see more? Absolutely. And I would have said that before I was a board member, during a board member, and mm-hmm. I say it now too. Can we do this? Yeah. Can we go through the different positions and the roles of these positions? For sure. Um, so the board of directors, uh, we are elected by membership. So we we represent membership, but we don't. Our goal as the director, there's a little switch that needs to be flipped. Once you're elected to the the, the board and you sit there and you're now a director and you're wearing that board hat, your focus comes to having loyalty and making decisions in the best interest of the organization and the profession, right. not just the people who voted you to that seat. So the reason you were voted to that seat is so that you can establish the values, the strategy, the ends policies. Mm -hmm. So the ends policies have always been on um, the website. um, And that part is transparent. And so any RMT can see or any person of the public can see what is the strategy? What are the things we're working towards? So that's what the board of directors does. We establish those values, we establish the strategy, and then we relinquish that to the executive director. He is an employee of the board of directors, and we give the direction to him, here's what we want you to do. That is the ends policy. Gotcha. So those goals, they're big, they're massive, and they're meant to be that way. Can you give me an example of of an ends Mm -hmm. policy? Oh my God, you're putting me on the spot. Yes, we are. Uh, <laughs> um, I cannot quote it word for word because sure. they they change a little bit every every year. The board of directors reviews mm-hmm. the ends to make sure that they're still relevant. So the biggest one, I guess, for me would be collaborating with other um, healthcare professions. Cool. Um, 
I think there's one about research. There's one about acting with utmost integrity um, that were financially uh, viable. Cool, cool, cool. Mm, all those directors out there are going to judge me no, for no, not no, no, having no. this memorized. No, that's good. No. We just want to give an idea to the audience that's listening. Like, what's an ends policy? What's the content of it? Basically? Well, and as Jen said as well, if you're interested to know, this you is all very transparent. Yeah. You can go on the website. It's all there. No one does. No one does. No. <laughs> Do you know how many people I've like given the ends policies to and directed them to and discussed. And yeah, they come back. They're like, well, yeah, I want to know, but I don't, I can't be bothered to go look at the yeah, website. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, well <laughs> do you really want to know then? <laughs> it's, it's tough. It's tough. And quite frankly, policy governance and, you know, what the board does and what the executive does is kind of boring. Like this, it isn't the most funnest of topics. Mm. Um, because when you think of strategy and goals and, um, you know, this seemingly hidden group of people who, you know, it seems like the board of directors makes a whole bunch of decisions. We actually don't. We are not the decision makers. That is operations. So when someone reaches out to me and says, hey, what's going on about this? Or why did I read that in the Friday file? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, you're asking a board member something about the operational team. Mm -hmm. So like I said, the, the board of directors has employed the executive director. So the executive director makes all the decisions. He decides everything. Now, you want to make sure that you don't hire someone who's going to be a runaway freight train and make bad decisions. So every quarter, we review what he's done. And we compare that to the ends. So when we see that the executive director has met with so-and-so from the government, okay, which ends policy does that adhere to? Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Collaboration. Maybe he's talking about some research, making sure we're financially viable. And he ticks all those boxes. After that, it's hands off. He does his thing. We monitor to make sure he's not fucking it up. And then that's it. So we monitor and we overview. Uh, we, we watch. So we're really hands off. And that is a key component that I think is missing with membership. Because I sometimes feel like when they're calling us out on social media that they have this understanding, they think that we do all these things. Well, I, I don't think that they think you do all these. They just don't know. They don't know the different positions. Yeah. They yeah. don't know the roles of the people in this position. Like they have no clue. Well, I remember, hear, but I have no idea. When you hear something like board of directors, it sounds incredibly important. And it sounds like you guys make a lot of decisions. And I probably fell in that category that thought, you know, you guys make a little more decisions. And now what you're saying makes a ton of sense. And, you know, I understand what your role is a little bit more. But yeah, I I can assume that people would think like, well, you're on the board of directors, like do something. Mm. They wouldn't wouldn't know any different. I wonder if some of that is what we see in media, like what we see in the movies, mm-hmm. you know, around the corporate boardroom and the board of directors, and they're all powerful. Mm-hmm. We're all powerful in the way that we establish the vision, mission, these ends policies. We establish that strategy. 
And then beyond that, we relinquish that over to the operational team, which is led by our executive director. Um, now, one of the things that can be a little bit tricky to understand is how we create the framework that the executive director has to work within. So policy governance. So governance is just about a system of control. Mm -hmm. Policies is a blueprint. Okay. So the board of directors uses policies to tell Michael what he, well, we kind of phrase them in a certain way where he cannot do things. So right. you can't harass the staff. You can't harass membership. You can't make us go bankrupt. You can't, I don't know, think of something crazy and wild. He can't do those things. Gotcha. So the reason we have those kind of policies in place is to allow him the leeway and the creativity to do what he needs to do. So there's also other policies that create a clear division between what the board does and what the executive director does. So we have those policies in place to make sure that we stay in our lane. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We cannot start directing the executive director how to do his job. So for example, if the board of directors starts to tell the executive director, hey, we want you to do this, we want you to do that, we want you to do this, do this, do this, do this. How then is the board of directors supposed to accurately evaluate his performance? When you're telling him what to do, how do you evaluate what he's done? So there's a disconnect there. So the board really has to be very careful and it has to really stay in their own lane when it comes to their role. Yeah, we can't we can't do this. Yeah. Listen, listening to the politics right now, I'm like, oh yeah. the red tape and, is hurting yeah. my soul. <laughs> and all the time when I am having this conversation at AGMs and conferences and just talking about the role of the board and policy governance, mm -hmm. every time people's eyes just glaze over. And I don't take it personal. It's it's a switch in how you think. Mm -hmm. And it's not easy. And honestly, it takes like more than a year to really feel the role and be comfortable in the role. Mm. And this happens, I see it all the time. So when I started as a director, obviously I knew no I knew nothing. And I had such great mentors and people on the board who had that experience. And anytime I was like, hey, guys, how about we tell the executive director we do this? Each time they pull me back. No, remember your role. No, remember your role. Remember your role. So I've seen in other directors who have come after me, hey, how about we do this? I'm sorry, no. You can't remember your role, remember your role. Yeah, I can imagine these like, you know, new, excited RMTs yeah, like going in, like, oh, I'm going to make all this change and then being told, yeah. no, your role. And they're like, oh. It's, yeah. it's hard because we want the enthusiasm. You want the passion. However, you have to temper it and remember your role. And That's that right. is the hardest thing. That's right. And it can be easy because you think, I'm just going to give him the insight. 
remember your role. Be very careful. And it is so important to have board members who have that experience to always pull you back and give you that checks and balances. Mm-hmm. So there is a lot that goes into being a director and you have to remember your job every single time that you're doing board work or you're interacting with membership. Um, if you have to interact with the executive director, always remember your role. You cannot overstep what you do um, because if you do, you you could slip down a slippery roll, road of just getting in the way. So does that make a little bit of sense? Because I'm, yeah, I'm, I've done six years of explaining this, so I can use I can explain it differently if I need to. <laughs> no, it makes sense. It makes sense. It sounds like it could be um it could get a little frustrating. I mean, that's just me. I I you know, it's... for brand new directors, they feel like they're always hearing no. And it's like, no, no, no. It's let's you can't do it that way, but let's try and find a way of providing insight to the executive director in the appropriate way. So when the board of directors is having their meeting, we talk about anything, everything. We look to the future as best as we can. What's coming down the pipeline? What are other health professions doing? What are other regulatory colleges doing? We take a look at the landscape of healthcare. Mm -hmm. What's going on? And we have conversations about that. And through our conversations at the board, the executive director gets a pretty good understanding of what is important and how to direct resources. Yeah, that's good. I mean, there's still opportunity to um, be a part of making change and creating change when you're on the board of directors, as long as you're doing things properly and not just trying to run in there like guns hot. This is what's happening. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I've had some new directors in their first year. They're like, why am I always being told no? Like, you're not being told no. We're just trying to redirect you so you're doing it appropriately and adhering to policy Mm -hmm. because you cannot just randomly run up to the ED and say, I want you to do this. That's not appropriate. So there is a way of informing the executive director of, um, you know, what the board finds important. There's just a way of doing it. Mm -hmm. Previous executive director was also a registered massage therapist, correct? Yes. Is there a big difference working with an executive director who is an RMT compared to one who is not? A little bit. Um... Let me ponder because I want to make sure that I'm not going to say anything that could be construed a certain way or what have you. So let's start with saying that I suppose one difference that I have noticed is communication with government. Um. There's a way to talk to governments and a way to engage government. And I think I've noticed a difference between the two in that regard. One thing, another difference I would also, I have seen is not being a massage therapist hasn't been a hindrance, but it's been interesting to have to explain massage therapy mm-hmm. because 
uh, our current executive director has experience working with other healthcare professions, mainly doctors. So doctors love to say, here's what to do, get it done. We don't care how, we don't care what you got to do. Tell me when it's done. Massage therapists want to have input on everything. Hmm. And as you're well aware, in the massage therapy profession, there are vastly different opinions on how things should be run. Absolutely. Not sure if you've noticed. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been interesting um, to learn those nuances. So I think that's been uh, a a difference that I've noticed between one and the other. Uh, on the top of my head, those are the two things that I've noticed. Interesting. Policy governance is not sexy. Is not the roles and all this behind the scenes stuff. It's not. It it's not. Uh, We're gonna make it sexy. Let me tell you. Last <laughs> night we had a conversation with somebody who sells supplemental insurance, and we made it our mission throughout that hour long podcast to make insurance sexy. <laughs> so we are we, gonna make policy and decision making sexy. I think we did make insurance sexy. Wow, I did not think that there could be a more boring topic. So (laughs) if I could follow that podcast, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) Hey, we're laughing. It's all good. So other than other than the board of directors, the executive director, is there any other um, positions within the association that you are curious about? Uh, I can, not, not offhand, I think, unless the, unless you got more, more more pieces you can roll with on that. I guess I was just wondering, like, other than the board of directors and the executive director, are there, you know, any other pieces to this puzzle that maybe the profession doesn't really know about or know what they're doing and what their roles are? I mean, there's some folks on the educate the sorry educational Jesus um, on the operational team. Um, a new fella joined a few months ago to try and really beef up the community based networks to really get this grassroots community feel going. Um, not necessarily to say split the perf- province and regions and sort of decentralize things but more so to really get that, build that sense of community. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, I mean, God, COVID has thrown a wrench in everything. So it's really hard to get things going when everything's being done online. So I give the guy some leeway. Um, same thing with the education girl, um, Harita. Um, I know she's really rolling out with all of these new webinars. Um, so there's things coming up that seem to be pretty exciting. Um, the other girls, um, Laura, geez, she answers like every email. Um, she's just a freaking workhorse. Uh, if she doesn't know, then she'll pass you to Jill, who's the operations manager, and Jill knows everything. Jill's been with the organization for well over 10 years. And I don't know, man, she's the glue that keeps us together. Um, Shout out to so Jill. I mean, all of them working together. Yeah, they seem to be a really cohesive group. Um, and I say seems to because I don't, as a board of director, I didn't interact with them too often um, because it wasn't my role as a director. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the other things that um, maybe some listeners may be interested in would be some operational policy, geez, committee um, um, that the operations team run. 
Like if you have an interest in research, there is a committee about that. The education slash conferences, if you have an opinion about that, there's an operational committee that you can join to share your opinion. Um, there's one about um, uh, the magazine as well. So if you have something to say, if you have an opinion, if you want to have direct input into what the association is doing, don't go to the board of directors, go to the operations team mm. directly. And that's how you can easily get involved. It doesn't require a ton of work. It just requires a little bit of action. Mm-hmm. So those are the other things, the other ways that um, just, you know, an everyday RMT can get involved. Reach out to your local CBN, as well as I would recommend um, if you're interested in talking to students, there is a school ambassador program that was launched several years ago now. And go into the schools and talk to students. They are a fascinating bunch um, because they feel like minnows. And it's just so exciting to see their passion for learning and for um, the profession in general. That has been a great pleasure of mine to be able to go into schools. Yeah, I love the eager faces. Yeah, I love when we have people. They don't have any cynicism yet. (laughs) (laughs) I love when we have people come in to take con ed courses that are just like. I love learning stuff, you know, like when CEUs were a thing, you know, when we had to count numbers, we would have people coming in who had well over the requirements that they had to submit for um, to get their CEUs, but they just love learning. And they and I was like, see, you're the type of people I love to work with. Like, I love to work with people that want to do want to do this and want to be here. So, yeah, that would be exciting. I'd like to go into schools and talk to people. Would you? Absolutely. I mean, not right now because I don't want to go anywhere right now, but, you know, someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, no part of any of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's easy to do if you're interested because you're given all the material to work with. And you mm. just really show up and be like, hey, yeah. I'm Amanda. Go. I'm awesome. Here's the reasons why the association is pretty awesome. And here's what they do for you. She just wrote my script. There, there you, you go. go. Hi, I'm Amanda. <laughs> and I'm awesome. Um, I do want to ask you something, Jen. It's going all the way back to the beginning. This has nothing to do with the association, but the whole reason you got involved is you said you just really fell in love with the profession. And based on the fact that we've met in person, and I know that neither one of us are 20, um, I assume (laughs) massage therapy was maybe not what you did straight out of high school. So um, you don't have to tell me what you were doing before, or you can, but what what drew you to massage? How did you even get involved in this career in the first place? Ah, I used to do welding. Um, I did so welding. So not for... expecting that, by the way. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> um, nobody really expects it. I didn't expect it. Um, after high school, I was actually um, set to move to Beijing for an international school to go into um, uh, interpretation. Oh, cool. And they actually folded the program right before I was supposed to go. So oh. I'm like, now what? So I fell into automotive welding and you're like, eh, it, it's good money for someone who's like 19, 20 and you're or 19 or 20 years old. And you're like, hey, this is cool. Right. A few years in, I got a repetitive strain injury and the nurse told me 
oh, pain is normal. (laughs) And I don't know much about the body when I was 21, but I knew that wasn't right. So I had a WSIB claim, which sucks. And the clinic I landed in um, was kind of horrible. And I was doing my own therapy. And as I was doing my own therapy, I would see people walk into a room with another woman. They'd spend however much time in. But the face of these people when they walked out, even to the untrained eye, I saw a difference in the way they moved, in the way they held themselves. And then seeing them be so grateful that someone could help them feel better and move better. Holy smokes. It's like, what does that woman do? Because she gets adoration all day long. And I want some of that. (laughs) It is true. (laughs) That was one of the things that sold me on Massage Man is when, you know, when I was told you don't work with angry customers. You don't have people calling and complaining about your product. People are both excited to see you when they arrive and they're even happier when they're leaving and they can't wait to see you again. And I was like, wow, yeah, that's what I just, I want happy people around me. (laughs) Like, yes, a lot of the people I work with, uh, you know, suffer with chronic pain and whatever. So, but- I'm but that's that not little, personal. I'm that little glimmer of light in their day, yeah. though, because yeah. I'm going to help a little bit. And it's exciting. And you know that when they're coming to you and they may be acting out, it's not personal. Right. They're, it's their pain that comes out and makes them a difficult um, patient. Um, but yeah, geez, everything you just said, it's, it's phenomenal. So within... I'd say within four to six months, I had switched my working shift to midnights and enrolled and I was already in the massage therapy program. Nice. So yeah, I didn't um I didn't dick around with that. <laughs> and then you got into this profession, fell in love, and now uh you said two thousand and eight is when you became registered. So you're you're in it now. Do you see this yes. being like your forever <laughs> career? You're gonna do this until the day you retire? I sure I sure as hell hope so. Um so going through some of the withdrawal symptoms of not being on the board and um I didn't realize how much I was giving to the board in my energy. Um so I really felt this void. And it panicked me a little because I'm like, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Like, ew, I have too much time. And, you know, my husband's right here and I got to talk to him now. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Um, <laughs> love you, babe. I love you too, man. <laughs> so good. Um, so I'm actually going to expand on my oncology education. And um, so I plan on going in for um, lymphedema. And oh, so I that's kind of my next chapter and it's not quite so physically demanding. So yeah. I hope I can do that for another 10, 20 years. I'm impressed by your your areas uh, that you've decided to choose as your niches, catastrophic injuries yeah. and oncology. Mm. That, that would scare the pants off of a lot of people. <laughs> um, did you do that intentionally or did you fall into those? I fell into those. So I have been working at the same clinic since I graduated which I understand is 
not that's very of. common. Yeah, that's unheard of. <laughs> um, and they kind of specialize in that. So, I mean, I've had experience giving court testimony. I've had experience um, doing depositions and um, communicating on these big team meetings and, um, you know, dealing with the legal side of things. And it's interesting to me. So, I just, the, the patient stories that they come in with and the experiences they've had and the perseverance that they demonstrate to me is inspiring. Every day I'm having a bad day. I got nothing. They have chronic pain and they somehow put on clean pants and came to the clinic. Like I, my troubles are nothing compared to that. So they are such an inspiration to me. The oncology bit. I was looking for something a little different and I did have to travel to Boston for that oncology course and don't regret a day of it, but it actually came about through volunteering with hospice Hmm. and it was such a different energy. And I am again, just so honored to be able to assist um, hospice residents and their families through that dying process. Just, Oh my God, what an inspiration. So yeah, just the total opposite of those spectrums just kind of fell into them. The emotional side of me couldn't handle it. Yeah. I'm, I'm not I'm not allowed every in there. Time. Yes. I my patients know that um if they start crying, I start crying. That's fine. Um I should buy stocks in Kleenex. <laughs> but yeah. It just, and I know that, and in hospice, they know I'm not the only one. Um, So to give a little bit of more clarification, in hospice, anytime a resident is leaving for that final time, we have music, um, and there is a little parade, and all the hospice volunteers who are currently in the home will stand and have sort of an honor guard. And I always like, I don't grab a Kleenex. I grab the box. Yeah, no, I couldn't handle that even for a second. No, 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 no. You know what? It's yeah, I find it hard, but there's absolutely no shame in it. So I'm just so glad there's people. Yeah, I'm glad there's people like you that that can do that and can be because I think I would just be a sloppy mess on the floor. Um, That's what the Kleenex is for. (laughs) I'd be a sloppy mess on the floor. Keep me out of there. Does any of your work that you've done with the association ever make you want to be a college council member? Thought about it. Um, When I see some stuff um, come out of the college, I wonder to myself, um, what the fuck? <laughs> so, if part of me is quite curious. During a meeting, <laughs> so I'm I am curious to how is that process because it would be a completely different hat to wear, as in the mandate of the focus is all on public. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe three to four years from now, if a spot opens up. Um, there is a cooling off period that's mandatory. So the CMTO wouldn't even touch me until two years have passed, but I wouldn't say no. So it maybe. So we might not have heard from Jen for the last time. <laughs> She'll but be on back. a completely different <laughs> table. I get it. I can never do this stuff. 
<laughs> I'm in awe, seriously, because I just I I would I I have no desire, like none. I would never want to. Would it's, never want to ever. <laughs> I find it works well with my personality, um, and I'm speaking directly to policies and procedures. There's just something that really works with my brain as to you know written guidance and outlines and blueprints. Um, it just really clicks for me. Mm. So if, if written down guidance and blueprints don't work for you, then you may struggle a little bit. You know, if you're more free flowing than maybe right. it's not for you. Yeah. You would struggle a lot with That's it. Really I mean, good. even when, when it comes down to anything, like even talking about our children's school, you know, when something <laughs> happens and I tell Mark and he says, well, why can't they do this? Why? And I said, there's a process. You can't like, this comes from this person. And then I, that's passed down it. to this. I and just, you, I get it, but I don't you get, get it. it. But then you're like, well, I think that the principal could just do that. I'm like, well, he can't because this, this, yeah. and this, right? So yeah. it's, yeah, well, it would be he difficult. Hmm. He can't. Yeah. He can't. He wouldn't want to deal with the the aftermath. But you well, can. You can do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> you, you see. To, you, you see why he can't well, do that? Yeah. Because yes, well, you're right. You just got to deal with the consequences that are going to come with that's it. That's exactly you can still do whatever it. the fuck you want. But that's yeah. exactly it. Is to be somebody that works in policy this way. I, I get it. I you. Get it. It's not. You're not willing to put up with the consequences because you're there to make sure that things maintain an orderly fashion. I totally get it. <laughs> There's a certain amount of identifying risks and consequences. And you may think, oh, this kind of seems like a good idea on the surface. But when you really stop and think about what do the bylaws say? What's the not-for-profit yeah. act? What's the legislation say? And you're like, um, yeah, we'll just stay in our own lane. I get it. But I see I also identify, like, for example, I, I, I don't mean this in, in any kind of strange way, but like, for example, there's a dude that I know, and I know him personally, who does a lot of like the, the anti-mask protests, the go back to work stuff, right? Anti-lockdown. Anti-lockdown. And a lot of stuff he says is, is actually quite correct. But what I'm always pointing out to people, because I know him personally, is he is the scariest type of dude because there are no consequences with that guy. You, The regular person, the regular person is, you get a $10,000 fine for organizing this event. He's like, fuck it, find me, go ahead. Because he's got money, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you want to charge me or something? Go ahead. I've got a great lawyer and I actually would love to have this go to court because I would love to display whatever I'm I'm saying and, and have this be put out there, you know, beyond what I'm doing already. Like he's the scariest type of guy when it comes to this kind of stuff because consequences, consequences don't mean him. anything yeah. to him at all. But I kind of admire that a little bit too. But anyway, that's a whole other. You, <laughs> you know. want to be the guy fucking shit up and no, 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 <laughs> not no, no, being no. afraid of consequences. No, but there's a certain freedom that comes with that. That I can just, I can just be my true, true, authentic self and be genuine. And if I'm what I'm doing goes against the grain, then fuck it. I don't care. I'm, I kind of admire that a little bit. But I mean, I don't feel anything fucking passionate enough about anything to, <laughs> to do that with. But, well, and know, that's just like, it. If there was something passionate enough, you probably could be that person. If nah. you know, if there's something that you are super passionate about, even if it goes against the grain, sometimes, and I mean, even Jen, who is the policy person would agree, sometimes there's certain rules, regulations, policies, procedures that yeah. don't make sense. And it takes people speaking well, up and that's fighting thing. against because it. Because I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of everything disruption models imaginable. And that's just me. I have got that personality where that is a turn on to me. And I think those things bring about lots of change, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but whatever the case is, it brings 
brings about change. So mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of disruption models, and that's why I can never do. I'll point to every <laughs> camera. I can never do what you do there. <laughs> but we're thankful that there are people who can. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, play to your strengths, and yeah, it's and I I see where it can be exceptionally frustrating mm-hmm. that. You know, you don't see what's going on behind the scenes. So it's like, where are they coming from with this? What's what's really what's not being said? And oftentimes it just comes down to policy, legislation, bylaws. Um, There are systems in place to, you know, try and ensure that we have success as an organization. And I'm sorry, I cannot tell you exactly, you know, word for word what happened in that meeting. Right. So it's it's hard to hear. And, even, and yeah, to be honest, for people even, like Mark, it's got to be super frustrating. You know what, like, though? Uh, but I get it. And even if you could, even if you could be as transparent as you might want to be, it, 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 this these same people that want the transparency, they're always going to be up your ass about fucking something. Yep. Right. So once That's they once, once they hear these answers, then it's going to be like, well, why is this happening this way? And blah, 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 blah. I, so this brings me to my next question. Are there any names <laughs> oh! <laughs> when you're sitting around that table and you're like, fuck, did you hear this? Did it's you. Per- it's you. They're no, sick of you. Not, I'm kidding. Me. I, I'm, not me at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes, like rolls. no, Mark's a like Mark's a saint. Sometimes, <laughs> um, compared to some others. So you want to know if there's names that come up at the board table during our discussions? Yeah. Then we can hear the eyes roll. <laughs> um. Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine. sometimes it's um it's raised in the hey. I just heard this from a member and here's a concern. What can the board do about it? Let's have a discussion. And then from that discussion, operations can decide what to do, mm-hmm. um, if anything at all. So that's how members get their names said at the tables because they've said something, they've reached out, they've raised a topic or concern um and the board has discussed it so that happens a lot that members the profession doesn't see very often right. have there been repeated names yeah yeah will i tell you the names no no no, 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 no. she will not no, <laughs> no. would i like to yes um but we can no. all probably probably take a good couple guesses you know <laughs> probably and yeah. i mean it's it's frustrating because those members sometimes feel like they're not being heard when in fact it's like yeah, you are. Oh, we hear you. We all hear you. <laughs> we all hear you. And I've had repeated conversations telling these people, here's the role of the board. Mm-hmm. Here's why it's different than operations. So what you really want to do is ask operations. And they simply keep coming back to me right. or back to the board and kind of trying to call us out on it. And it's like, you can say what you want. It doesn't change the fact that I can't tell you. So you cannot bully me into um, telling you things. Um, but then I, one concern I have for transparency. So I've said before, I think we could always improve communication. If we are 100% transparent and we toss all of the rules out the window just to make Mark happy for the day <laughs> and we tell all the secrets. And we destroy the relationships we have with the CMTO and the governments, um, insurance companies, because, oh, yeah. Um, you now have how many people in the profession? 
how many people in the association? I know there's like 6,600 members in the RMTAO. Um, you would have 6,600 people freaking out and not agreeing with what's being done. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's almost like sometimes too much information is not good. Absolutely. And I imagine the comment section will probably get filled up with that because people feel that, um, no, they wouldn't freak out. But when you take a look at past announcements that the operations team has set out, look at the comment section. Exactly. Yeah. So imagine if there were zero, there complete transparency. Yep. The, the place would go fucking nuts. Yep, yep. Yeah. Well, that's so, with any kind of governance. Any, like you said, any organization, any organization, period. there yeah. has to be some things that it's, you, you can't have everybody at the, you can't have 15,000 RMTs weighing in on every fucking decision. Like, can you imagine the oh chaos already? You've got what? 5,000 who argue online all day and they can't <laughs> agree. You, yes. you, you multiply that by three, like, fuck no, nothing would ever get done. Is there any way the RMTO can, help those people get busy at work (laughs) um that happened and people still freaked out you know you're never going to make anybody happy like it's everybody happy sorry i should say it's it's just the nature of there's always people who are looking for a problem and everything you know and i it's funny because i used to think like we're RMTs, right? Like we we should all be pretty laid back and chill and whatever, because that's, you know, we're trying to help people relieve their pain and stress. And yeah, boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Some of us are the most uptight people I have ever encountered in my oh entire my life. God. I love it. I love it. I, love it. <laughs> I was so embarrassed to be a member of this profession during that lockdown and seeing yeah. the comments that was on social media. Holy shit. Well, even that, because take the like lockdown. you, Amanda. Yeah. I, with you, Amanda, I was the same. Like, I I had that same belief. But then lockdown happened, and you're like, oh my God. Like, everyone needs to calm the fuck down. You can say yeah. calm the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, maybe use an enhancer to help you with that process. Like, <laughs> yeah. just, um, so yeah, when you think of there are a few members or a few people who interact a lot on social media who seem to push conversations or push topics in certain ways. And it can be quite detrimental. Mm. The problem with a lot of conversations that happen online, and I've said this before, is nobody's really listening to the other side. And it's it's human nature, right? You have your side and you kind of, you look for things to support your side. You look for research to, to support your side. You can only look at what's directly in front of you. So the people in your life, your patients, you're in, you know, your practice, how is this going to affect me, 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 me? It's not human nature to look at, well, how is this going to affect the entire profession, the greater good? So if we take the lockdown as the perfect example, you had a whole bunch of people losing their shit. We are essential. We should be working. And now guess what? We are essential. We're allowed to work. RMT shouldn't be working. This is fucking ridiculous. Why would the college be allowing us to open up and touch people? And I'm like, are you guys fucking kidding me? Like, uh, you're never going to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, I think what um, all of us need to remember, and I'll include myself in it, all of us need to remember, we are regulated healthcare professionals. So you know what? As long as you're not hurting anyone, breaking any rules, you know, doing anything against your professional standards, practice the way you fucking want. Mm -hmm. 
do what you do what you want. You don't feel comfortable working, don't work. You, you know, you feel that we should be essential. Okay, reach out to the people who can maybe help you get to the levels of government that can, you know, like yep. do something. Don't go online and argue with everybody all day because all you're gonna do is rally a bunch of people who agree with you that are going to support you. And then you're going to have a couple of people who disagree with you and you're going to, you know, mark them off as crazy and, you know, block or delete them. So it's funny what's the fucking point? Because I had this conversation with this uh, with this, someone on Facebook, a slightly different topic about research. And he's he's had his hand in research because he surrounded himself and he's networked with a bunch of people that do research, PhDs. And so I was just saying the other day, I'm like, for all these people that are really get on the idea of massage therapy research, there's not enough of it. Instead of spending all that time fucking complaining about it on Facebook, why don't you go fucking network with people that can actually do the research like and support that way instead yeah, of go just talk like, to somebody who has a PhD exactly. in ex-phys or something and say, guess yep. what? I have an idea, but yeah, people that do research I are can't do it because I'm a minnow. Things. Exactly. I always, I'm going to use that from now on, by the way, Jen, I'm a minnow. <laughs> I'm just a You're minnow. welcome to it. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing I, I have noticed. So I try not to uh, be on social media too much because, um, God, um, <laughs> but like I, what I do see is a lot of people who want to sit back and have work done for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so easy just to do something other than bitch and moan on social media. Please join an operational committee, make your own committee or a group to work towards something, engage yes. with the CMT, uh, the, Jesus, the RMTAO in a positive manner and work with them because they may have more resources than you. Mm -hmm. Like you can put things to work for you instead of passively bitching and moaning on social media. So God, if nothing else changes, I hope that we become a little bit more of an advocate for ourselves mm -hmm. instead of sitting back and expecting someone else to do it on my behalf. Yeah. And, you know, I take a page 100%. from your book, Jen, like everybody listening, take a page from Jen's book. I'm not saying you have to, you know, join the association or get involved with the college, but, you know, you made a joke earlier and said, sometimes you see things that are put out from the college and you're like, um, what? And look, you wouldn't shy away from actually getting involved with the college. If you don't like the way things are being done, then do something about it. I have no desire to work, as we said, with the association or with the college, but I also don't still think- do something about it. Yeah. But I, but I, also don't think that everything the college does deserves to be shit on. Sorry, I'm going to no, no. hate for that, but I don't think everything they do true. deserves to be shit on. I think they do listen. I think they send out a lot of emails asking for input and how many of us are actually providing the input. So if you're not actually going to say anything, like I've said before, I have RMTs who tell me they get an email from the CMTO and they just delete it. I'm like, um, <laughs> you should really, you should really read those. Probably a bad idea. Probably a bad Take idea. a look. Yeah. There's right. a massive amount of information that the CMTO puts out that nobody reads, like their council minutes. They release all of that information. Now, that is a very boring subject to read through, <laughs> but the amount of information. So it just, yeah, boggles your mind when you see all of this, like you said, shit on the CMTO. Well, did you do anything to um, uh, educate yourself? Mm -hmm. Have you done any critical thinking or logic or reasoning before you decided to take to social media and start bitching and moaning? Hmm. And if the answer is no, well, might I invite you to step back, 
do those things and then come forward with an informed opinion. Yeah. And that's, that's that's the thing. I'm all for people having an opinion. You know, you have something to say, feel free, say yep. it, freedom of speech. But when it yep. you're that person that is complaining, 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 and I'm like, I've yet to see you offer a solution. It's just complaint, yes. complaint, complaint, complaint. I got to stop listening. Yeah. Or reading, I should say. It's usually well, it's usually in text form because that's when people are most brave. Yes. <laughs> yes. Behind their screen. I've had to really disconnect and stop interacting simply because uh, they just want the, the ability to rant. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, sometimes I need to rant, so I get it. Go ahead, rant. But yeah, there is a point where it's, okay, you're not you're not making any change. You're just looking to rally people and get a bunch of people upset. And I'm not really sure why. Misery loves company. Maybe that. <laughs> what do I know? What do you I know? I got a faux hawk in a podcast. <laughs> 45-year-old man with a 12-year-old boy haircut. Like, <laughs> is it anything I have to say? <laughs> oh, actually, Jen, when we, I came in here today. Mark arrived earlier than I did. I come in here today and he's like, why do you look so nice? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, because I blow dried my hair and put on pants with a button. Like, that's how low our standards have gotten. It's COVID. I put on pants with a button and my hair is blow dried. And he's like, wow, why are you all wow. dressed up? I'm like, I'm really not. <laughs> and might I say how impressed I am that you can wear pants with buttons. Okay, oh, I've resorted to yoga pants. Because heaven forbid I wear a button, I'm going to damage somebody's eyeball when well, that button lets loose. I'll let you in on a little secret, Jen. The only reason I'm wearing pants with a button is because I just bought them because I did have to size up. Ooh. Yeah, I did. I will admit it. COVID weight, uh. COVID weight hit me and I had to size up. So I just bought some new pants instead of making myself sad that I can't get into my old ones. <laughs> Well, I guess so long as I still fit into my stretchy pants, I'm good. Yes, but. yes. Elastic waists, here I come. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we could all find humor in the fact that we can't get our hair done. We uh, have to buy new pants. We can't see anybody in person. When this is all said and done, the first time we have another networking night, Jen, definitely come. We'll have a glass oh, of yes. wine together. Mm -hmm. Please. It's, um, I was truly bummed when I found out that, um, uh, a somewhat kind of close contact is, um, waiting results to see if they're COVID. So yeah, I was just gutted because it is so important to be face to face. Yeah. It's just, it, there's just something so much more tangible about it. Exactly. That's just so important. And, I really appreciated when you guys had those um, networking nights. I couldn't do all of them because you guys are like well over an hour away We're from far, me. Yeah, but it was worth it. It's so worth it. And I mean, the fact that you guys are donating your time and space to that, like shout out to that. Like that's awesome. And that yeah. is how you guys do advocacy. So like, yeah, do not sell yourself short that, oh, I'm not sitting on the board of directors. No, you don't have to in order to be an advocate for your profession. You hear that? See that? See? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. I heard it. Well, right thank you. Anything else that you want to share before we wrap it up today? Not really. Um, other than if people do still have questions about the role of the board and um, the role of the executive director slash operational team. Um, I mean, post a comment about it um, when this pod podcast is aired. Um, 
my email used to be on the, the RMTAO website. So I used to say, just email me, the vice chair, blah, blah, blah. That's not a thing anymore. Um, but I am publicly findable on social media, on uh, Facebook. You can, I do share, have an open... you can share your Facebook yeah, if you'd sure, like. Share your platform. Sure. Um, because I'm still very happy to answer questions, even though that is not... Um, uh, kind of a duty anymore. So I'm just, I'm always happy to talk about the profession. You can't get me to shut up sometimes. I recognize that is a flaw and I do nothing to fix it. <laughs> Nor do I. So go for it, girl. <laughs> so yeah. And I, I hope that I have given a good understanding of, you know, what a policy is, governance, the structure, but there's always questions. There's so many nuances like I think I mentioned earlier that um, when I was a new director, it took me over a year to get it. Yeah. So you know, an, an hour long podcast cannot capture all of it. So how many, how many board members are there? There um, so one, two, three, four, five, six. 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 Um, we used to have a bigger board yeah. about eleven or twelve, and that was a little cumbersome. Mm-hmm. So now we try and sit about maybe eight, eight or nine. Right on. This was good. Yeah, thank you so much. And I didn't bore you to tears or put you to sleep. Absolutely so not. my goals have been accomplished. No, we would talk with you anytime. Oh, shucks. Right on. Thanks for hanging. This was good. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. You guys have been listening to two massage therapists in a microphone. Peace. <laughs>